Thank you. Oh man, it is great to be with you this morning. If you haven't already, get, uh, open up your Bibles to Acts 15, 36 through 41, uh, or on your app, or on Church Center. <clears throat> you, can, uh, you can open up your sermon notes on Church There you'll find Am I on? You'll find today's text uh, along with some uh, notes from the sermon uh, and then also some discussion questions. If you're in a life group who uses those discussion questions uh, in your life group, uh, they're right there for you. And so you can take those on into your life group later today. Uh, but uh, that re- and thankful to be able to use it. All right. Acts like I'm kind of in and out. I'm on? All right, great. All right. Okay. Now we're ready. Now we're better. Um, there, have, there have been some significant breakups throughout the course of history. And I just wanted to begin this morning by mentioning a couple of them. John Lennon and Paul McCartney broke up the Beatles, arguably the greatest rock and roll band of all time. In the world of sports, Shaq and Kobe broke up perhaps the greatest one-two punch in the history of the NBA. And from my childhood, Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage (laughs) broke up the mega powers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt, the biggest thing in professional wrestling in the late 80s. Now... When you think about famous breakups through history, maybe there are some others that come to your mind. But I wanted to get us thinking about famous breakups this morning because in Acts, we're looking at a text that highlights one. It's the breakup of Paul and Barnabas. You know, I think that it had to be really, really tough uh, for our author Luke to include this account because it involves two of his heroes of the faith. You cannot read Acts without picking up on Luke's admiration and appreciation for these two men. And so to include the story of the two of them parting ways had to be very difficult for him. Because it would have been really easy just to gloss over the situation and to not include it at all. You could have transitioned to Paul having a different partner in another way. As Luke was rereading the account he had written down and deciding what to keep and what to include, it would have been easy to leave this story out. But that's not what Luke did. Instead, 
He chose to include the disappointing and embarrassing details of the breakup of a more than 15-year relationship. Paul and Barnabas had not only been friends, but they had served side by side in ministry. They've been partners in the gospel. They've experienced so much together serving the Lord. And we've highlighted many of those things that they've done together over these last several weeks. And then our text this morning happens. Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 41. I'm going to kind of walk through these verses again and sort of give you my translation, my version of of it. Verse 36, Paul says to Barnabas, hey, Barney, I don't know that he called him Barney, but they've done ministry together for 15 years. That's what guys do. Guys come up with nicknames. Barney seems like an appropriate nickname for Barnabas. Hey, Barney, let's go back to all the towns that we visited on our first missionary journey and see how they're doing. Verse 37, Barnabas says, great idea, Paul. And hey, I've got a really good idea too. Do you remember John Mark? He's a great guy, right? Let's take him with us again. What do you think? Verse 38, Paul replies, you know what? How can I put this? I know he's your cousin, but since he deserted us on that first trip, I think we'd be making a foolish decision to bring him along again this time. It's kind of like, first time, shame on you. Second time, shame on me. Verse 39, Luke writes, They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. So Barnabas takes John Mark and heads west. Paul chooses another partner, Silas, and heads north. Luke goes with Paul and Silas on the second missionary journey. And so beginning in Acts chapter 16, we read more from Luke being a part of this second missionary journey with Paul and Silas. And after being such a prominent figure in Luke's narrative, we don't hear from Barnabas again for the rest of the book. N.T. Wright, who knows way more about the Greek language than I do, talks about the word translated here as sharp disagreement in verse 39. It's the Greek word paroxmos. Now get this. When this word is used in a medical context, it can can mean convulsion or refer to someone running a high fever. Here in the context of Acts chapter 15, it carries... Overtones of severely heightened emotions, red and distorted faces, loud voices, and things said that were better left unsaid. What Luke's getting at here is that this is a sorry sight. It's a sad and sorry scene between these two men. In other words, it's not one of their best moments. Have you ever had this level of conflict with someone else? (laughs) 
Have you ever been in such sharp disagreement with another person that the best solution that you could come up with was to part ways? If so, then you are very familiar with what these men are experiencing. You know firsthand how they're feeling. And in our remaining time this morning, I, I really want to get practical with you and talk about conflict. And so I have just a, a, a few lessons that I, I think that we can learn from this text about conflict. More than anything, maybe it's just some pastoral counsel. How, how as a follower of Jesus Christ, do I handle conflict? How, do I, how, how am I, as a Christ follower, to deal with conflict? And this morning, I'm, I'm going to share with you three words of counsel. The first one is this. It's not if conflict happens, but when conflict happens. So, humble yourself. It's not if conflict happens, but when conflict happens. So, humble yourself. You know, anytime that I have the privilege of, of doing premarital counseling with some young and in love couple who honestly think that they could never be upset with one another, one of the things that I talk with them about is conflict. It's not if, but when. Listen, if someone who's been married for a while tells you that they've never had any conflict, then they're just not being honest with you. I don't know why, but they're not. Human beings have conflict. It's part of being a homo sapien. But here's the thing. Conflict is not a negative word. I like to think of conflict as more of a neutral word. And depending on how you handle conflict makes it into something negative or positive. Depending on how you respond to conflict, turns it into something negative or positive. It's kind of like how Jesus says that the root of all evil is the love of money. It's not money. Money's not the root of all evil. Money itself is just a neutral term. It's a neutral item. It can be used for great good, and it can be used for terrible evil. But it's how you handle it. It's how you deal with it. It's how you manage it. It's how you respond to it. And it's the same with conflict. Here's the truth regarding the situation here between Paul and, ba- and, Paul and Barnabas. All of us have either been here before with someone, are currently here with someone, or we'll be here with someone at some time in the future. And I've titled my lesson this morning, Even Paul and Barnabas. And and I chose that title not because this text justifies or excuses this type of behavior. 
But I chose that title because I do think that this text comforts us in a way to know that even Paul and Barnabas had conflict. Even Luke's heroes of the faith, even these great and godly men had disagreements. Listen, I want you to know that if you're here today and you're struggling because of a difficult conflict with another person in your life, then you are not alone. Even Paul and Barnabas. What that means is if if even they had conflict, then no one's immune to it. Karen and I are not one of these couples who pretend that we have it all together. So I want you to know that even Karen and me, even your preacher and his wife, have conflict. Even we have to work through things. Conflict happens to all of us. It's not if, but when. The question is, how do you respond to it? How do you handle it? Humility is the key. Humility is the key. We must learn to humble ourselves. It's one of the most repeated commands in all of Scripture. Humble yourself. The verse that I think about specifically when it comes to humbling myself in conflict is James 1.19. We talk about this verse around our house during conflict. But there James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. That's, that describes humility and conflict. And it's interesting that we want to do the opposite of all those things. We want to be slow to listen, quick to speak, quick to get angry. Humbling ourselves is described so well for us there in conflict by James in verses 1 through 19. We want to do the opposite. But humble yourself because conflict is coming. It's not if, but when. That's number one. Here's number two. The best part of you can cause the worst conflict with me. The best part of you can cause the worst conflict with me. So honor one another. Honor one another. You know, when John Mark leaves Paul and Barnabas the first time around on that first missionary journey, we really don't know why he left them. Scripture doesn't tell us. It could have been something as simple as homesickness. Or it could have been something more significant, like he was a Jew from Jerusalem, born and raised in Jerusalem, and so he still wasn't quite sure about this whole Gentile thing. We don't know the reason why he left, but here's what we know. It was all just a little too much for him, and so he bailed on them. And here's also what we know. This second time around, Barnabas was adamant about taking him on the trip. And Paul was just as adamant 
about not taking him on the trip. So let me ask you a question. How would you have handled the John Mark situation? Think about it. It's a good question to ask. Would you have handled it more like Paul, or would you have handled it more like Barnabas? And here's what I'm getting at. No two people are alike. We are all going to handle situations differently. Just ask your family where they want to eat for lunch after church this morning. How many of in your family? It's that many different answers. And here's what I found to be true. Often the differences that make two people such a good team can also be the cause of the greatest amount of stress between those two people. The best part of you can cause the worst conflict with me. And I really think that's what happens here between Paul and Barnabas. Now, I don't know what their Myers-Briggs personality types are. I'm not sure what their Enneagram numbers are. But I know this. These guys are built different. They're made differently. Howard Marshall, in his commentary on Acts, notes the differences in this way. He writes, this is a classic example of having to choose whether to place the interest of the individual first or the interest of the work first. And Paul, in how he's built, is clearly choosing to put the interest of the work first. And this is what made Paul, Paul. I mean, this guy was a type A, driven, laser-focused, logical decision-maker. And remember, the work is to go back to all the towns where they had preached on their first missionary journey. And one of those towns was Lystra, where he had been dragged outside the city, stoned, and left for dead. So understandably so, on this return trip to Lystra, Paul wanted to only take with him those who he could totally rely on. He didn't want to sign up anyone who, who just might be a little hesitant. So he was making a choice to put the importance of the work ahead of this one individual. And it was a good decision. It was the right call for Paul to make. You may or may not have heard of Kirby Smart. I won't show a raise of hands. He just happens to be the head football coach for the back-to-back defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs. That's just who he is, just giving you a description. Uh, <clears throat> but on the wall behind his desk, he has this written on a piece of paper. And it's really powerful. It's the costs of leadership. And he has three things written. First, it says, you will have to make hard decisions that negatively affect people you care about. It's the cost of being a leader. Two, 
you will be disliked despite your best attempts to do the best for the most. And then three, you will be misunderstood and won't always have the opportunity to defend yourself. Three costs of leadership. Man, those are really good. Because I feel like that's what's going on with Paul here. He's having to make a really hard decision that he knows will negatively affect people that he cares about. He knows that Barnabas is going to dislike this decision, despite the fact that he's attempting to do the best for the most. And 2,000 years later, he's misunderstood and he's not here to defend himself. But it's the cost of leadership. Paul made a call. And in his valuable opinion, this trip was too important, the work too demanding, to ask someone to go who might prove to be unreliable again. That's Paul. That's what made Paul, Paul. That's what made him a great missionary. That's what took him off into all these unchartered territories where nobody had been with the gospel. On the other hand, Barnabas is clearly choosing to put the interest of the individual first. And that is what made Barnabas Barnabas. You know, the irony of the situation is that when none of the leaders of the Jerusalem church believed in Paul, Acts chapter 9, when no one believed his testimony, Barnabas did. And so in this situation, when Paul does not believe in John Mark, doesn't surprise us that Barnabas does. I mean, this guy, what a heart for people. Unbelievable. Passionate. Such a soft heart. You know, Barnabas was called the son of encouragement for a reason. He was the kind of leader who always put people first. You look at verse 37. In my translation here, it says, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. Literally, it reads that he kept on insisting to take John Mark. He was like a dog on a bone. He was not going to let go of it. See, Barnabas refuses to give up on John Mark. He really wanted John Mark to have a second chance to prove himself. And so he was making a choice to put the importance of the individual ahead of the work. And it was a good decision. It was the right call for Barnabas to make. And that makes conflict extra hard when both people feel like they're making the right call. 
their differences cause them to make equally right calls. So now what? Whose call is more right? Well, Luke doesn't tell us. But I think it is helpful to recognize that the best part of you, what makes you you, can cause the worst conflict with me. You know, one of the things that attracted me to Karen, my wife, if you're visiting, um, is her passion. It's her passion. At that time in my life, I had never met someone so passionate about Jesus. And if you were to ask Karen... One of the things that first attracted her to me is my calm presence. I have a very calm demeanor. The last time I was stressed out was back in 1978. (laughs) And that was very attractive to her. And those two parts of us make for a really, really good team. However, those two parts of us have also led to some of our worst conflicts. There have been times when she has been way too intense for me. There have also been times when she's had a hard time finding my pulse. (laughs) There have been times when her passion's too much and my calmness is too little. Paul would write these words in Romans 12, verse 10. He said, take delight in honoring one another. And how I think this verse applies to conflict is that when we can learn to to recognize and to respect and appreciate those parts of us that make us who we are, those different parts of us that make us such a good team together, when we can delight in honoring those parts of each other in that way, then it will help us when those same parts of us cause conflict. So we've got to honor one another. That's two. And then here's the third. The third counsel that I want to share with you this morning in conclusion. This conflict does not have to be the last chapter of your story. So hope in the Lord. So hope in the Lord. You know, every good book I've ever read has some really hard chapters in it. And if I had set the book down after a hard chapter and not finished it just because that chapter was hard, then I would have missed out on a really beautiful story. You know, if you were to read the chapter of my life titled The College Years... You would not recognize the person on the pages. Listen, 
Your current conflict or your present problem does not have to be the end of your story. Here's the good news about the John Mark situation in Acts 15. We get the benefit of pulling back the lens and seeing the entire picture here. We know the whole story. Even though they chose to part company at the end of Acts 15, the end of Acts 15 was not the end of their story. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul shows great appreciation for Barnabas and his ministry. And so most scholars have inferred that at some point they reconciled after this situation. It's just not in Luke's narrative. It's not where he's going with his narrative. But because of the, what, what Paul wrote about Barnabas in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, that's what most scholars believe. They reconciled. Also, we know that in Paul's later years, he and John Mark have a very unique relationship. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11, Paul is writing to Timothy from prison, and he writes this to him, Only Luke is with me. And then he tells Timothy to go and get Mark and bring him with you because he's very helpful to me in my ministry. So toward the end of his life, Paul's perspective had changed. He viewed John Mark as an important piece of his ministry. In addition, we know that John Mark will write one of the four Gospels. The Gospel of Mark. And so, your current conflict does not have to be the end of the story. It's possible that Paul saying no was the best thing that ever happened to Mark. It's also possible that Barnabas saying yes was the best thing that ever happened to Mark. Paul would write in Romans 8, 28, God works in all things for the good of those who love Him. You see, God even chooses to work through our conflict. God chooses to even be at work in our conflict for the good of those who love Him. Even in the difficulty of our disagreements, we can trust God is at work for our good. And so we can hope in Him. good news of the gospel is that God sent His Son, Jesus, into our conflict. You see, the cross is a symbol of conflict. And our sin has caused one conflict after another. When Jesus came to die on the cross... It was to put an end to all conflict. His resurrection and His ascension has set His kingdom in motion. And it's a kingdom of peace, not of conflict. But here's the thing. Until our King returns and He's coming to bring His kingdom in all its fullness, There will still be conflict 
However, we can be part of his kingdom now. When we humble ourselves, when we honor one another, and when we hope in the Lord who works in all things for the good of those who love him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this message. Um, We're just thankful, Lord, for your living word. We're thankful for your Holy Spirit that takes your word and just does his work in our hearts, um, even as we hear it. And so we just praise you for this church. Um, We pray, Lord, I know, I know that there are people here today who who are dealing with, with conflict. And so I pray, Lord, that your kingdom, I pray that your spirit, I pray, Lord, that um, these, these words this morning have brought help and direction uh, to them. So we just, we just honor you, Jesus. You are our king, and we wait expectantly and hopefully for your return. And we pray all this in your name. Amen. This morning, if you're here.